Welcome to Poptopia. Welcome to Poptopia, your podcast for all things pop culture. I'm your host, Paul French, and it is Thursday, July 10th, 2008. On today's show, studios set a deadline for SAG, Downey dons the detective's cap, and William Shatner is getting on my last nerve. All right, I can't lead in without uh, without following that one up right away. Uh, so, um, Emmy winner and, um, well, captain of the Enterprise, come on. He's still Captain Kirk. I don't care what anyone says. He always will be, um, no matter how much of a caricature of himself he's turned into. But William Shatner is turning talk show host. Uh, later this summer, Shatner's Raw Nerve is going to be coming out on the Biography Channel. So on the Bio Channel... Um, August 19th at 10 p.m. It's a Tuesday, and uh, we will see uh, Shatner interviewing guests such as, and these are some of his earliest guests, um, Leonard Nimoy, of course. Also, maybe uh, well, other promised early guests include John Voight, Jimmy Kimmel, Judge Judy, Jenna Jameson, Kelsey Grammer, and Valerie Bertinelli. So certainly, um, <laughs> certainly a mixed bag there. Uh, basically, the idea of this is is Shatner is going to probe his guest's most sensitive subjects, exposing that raw nerve. And he warns, and they warn that the show will be unpredictable and will allow Shatner to work his magic on each guest in his own unique way. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it just sounds. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of fun. Um, and this is, of course, stemming out of the uh, the Television Critics Association press tour that uh, is uh, is going on right now. And uh, there is going to be um, a new show uh, from Chris Isaac, the Chris Isaac Hour. And it's basically going to be a musical-themed talk show. Um, so unlike his previous fictional series, well, semi-fictional, sort of, well, it was fictional, but, you know, he played himself. Um, Female Forces. This is Cops with Women. And why I ran. Again, much like cops, only it focuses on the people who run. So, you know, expect there to be a lot of people without shirts. Um, in other news, uh, the, uh, the Croft brothers, Sid and Marty Croft, are setting up shop on MySpace TV. They're going to take all of their classics, including H.R. Puff and stuff, Land of the Lost and the Bugaloos, and will make uh, MySpace their exclusive global home. Um, the license extends to condensed versions of the Croft-produced TV episodes, as well as tape messages from the Crofts themselves. Uh, Josh Brooks from MySpace uh, sees that the collaboration is an example of how the the site is going to capitalize on pop culture nostalgia to build an audience. And uh, they, they, he said that it's another example of how household names are making MySpace their home on the web and taking control and using the community on MySpace for new content options. So in addition to what they call quickies, uh, which run three to five minutes, uh, the Crofts are also making available highlight clips. And um, MySpace subscribers will also get theme music from the shows available. Um, and so that's going to be at uh, www.myspace.com slash Croft, K-R-O-F-F-T. I'm just hoping that they get into some of the, uh, remember the Croft Super Show? I don't know if anyone remembers that. But they had the Croft Super Show, and it was a, it was a few years after um, HR Puff and stuff and all that, because I think those would have been early 70s, and this would have been sort of mid to late, maybe 76, 77. And, um, and I remember missing a whole bunch of it because I went to this, uh, there was like this Saturday sort of craft thing. And I was, I was a little kid. I was like six years old. And, uh, and I remember, you know, I was, I was just despondent that I was missing Dr. Shrinker. And uh, <laughs> I know, sounds silly now. But they had uh, like a speed buggy kind of thing. That, and I can't remember what his name was. Um, uh, they had Bigfoot and Wild Boy. 
Um, I, I wonder if that would include uh, Electro Woman and Dinah Girl too. See, there's going to be so much stuff to check out here, and it's a lot of fun. And and man, I'll admit the stuff does not hold up quite as well, but it's still fun. I mean, it's it's terribly dated, but but it's a blast. So definitely check that out again. That's myspace.com/croft k r o f f t. What else is going on? Well, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the box office this past week. Okay, so um, at number five was Kung Fu Panda, uh, showing a pretty decent screening uh, or a d- decent showing money wise. Uh, they pulled in seven point three two million, uh, which uh, put them in the fifth spot above The Incredible Hulk, which grossed four point nine million. And I've talked about the uh, the Hulk before and the comparisons money-wise. And right now they're, they're pretty much neck and neck. I think there's maybe a hundred thousand dollars difference when you consider how much money they've thrown into this new version. Yeah, exactly. Still hasn't made its money back. I might add, whereas at this point, the other one was profitable. I'm just saying. Okay. So that's number five. Number four, get smart, uh, pulls in another, another 11.1 million, bringing the total to 98.1 at number three wanted, Pulling in another twenty point one million for a total of ninety point two. Um, at number two, Wally, thirty two point five million, uh, bringing the total to one hundred twenty seven million. And Hancock had the weekend at sixty two point six million. I believe their first week's take was about one hundred and seven. Um, I- I'm actually kind of surprised that the Wally isn't isn't performing better. I've heard fantastic things about it, almost uniformly great reviews. In fact, for the first couple of days on Rotten Tomatoes, they were sitting at 100, percent and that's just unprecedented. I think by the end of the weekend, it was at 98 percent because you had someone you know from the New Yorker or something who didn't get that. You know, maybe maybe it wasn't targeted toward the art house crowd. Maybe. Anyway, so I'm looking at the top five and. Um, I've seen most of them. Actually, Wally's the only one that I haven't seen. And I know it's summer. I get that. Okay, I, I, I get that. But honestly, of the three, um, three of the ones, uh, Get Smart, Wanted, and Hancock, I've already shared my review of, of Get Smart, and I don't believe I've had a chance to share my review of Wanted. And, and I found Wanted to be pretty disappointing. I haven't gotten around to reading the uh, the Mark Miller and uh, J.G. Jones uh, comic series that came out. And I know that they uh, they diverged a great deal from it. But but I'm not even going in from that perspective because, you know, I, I don't care. Uh, you know, I'm interested to read it. I, love, I think J.G. Jones is a fantastic artist. Um, and... Uh, uh, but I tend to be fairly indifferent toward Miller. Um, I find if he's paired with a decent, really good artist, then uh, then at least holds holds my interest. But I mean, so this one diverges a great deal, and and hey, that makes sense. I mean, when the guys when the screenwriter started writing it, the first issue was the only one that was out, and you know things just got you know more more and more brutal in in the next one, and there was no way that they'd be able to get an R rated movie out of this. Um, as uh, I was listening to the creative uh, screenwriting podcast and and they were interviewing one of the screenwriters and he said, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, but at one point he said, uh, he said, uh, one of the, one of the rules for your hero is that he can't rape a woman. And, um, and, and, you know, it's probably not going to be good summer fair. So I can understand why they, why they diverged from it. And they kind of stayed away from the superhero angle and went with a, uh, you know, a, a, an enhanced assassin kind of thing. And visually, absolutely stunning. I mean, just fantastic. Story-wise, eh, you know, I, I just um, <clears throat> found that it was difficult to identify with the characters, so that was part of the problem. Um, 
And even in, and I don't think you've got to necessarily identify with a character and everything, but I think you've got to at least understand where they're coming from. And, um, and it, it just seemed to be, uh, you know, lots of little matters of convenience. And, uh, so, so I didn't really dig it visually, like I say, stunning and, you know, enough that, uh, that it would, it would bear rewatching, but story-wise not a whole lot going on. Um, Get Smart, I already reviewed, as I said, and I had, I had some, some issues with that. Hancock, saw this last night. Wow. I, I was disappointed. I was expecting, you know, a, a good old fun uh, superhero movie, you know, sort of a uh, rehabilitating the character of a, of a superhero gone wrong. And I don't know. Uh, that didn't seem to be what I got. And it, and it, and it there were just elements that just seemed uncomfortable from the beginning. It seemed like they had some good ideas, but really didn't know what to do with them. And the thing that disappoints me most about it is I love Peter Berg. Man, I think that guy is a fantastic director. And I've and and I love the fact that every movie he does is completely different. I mean, you know, you go from uh very bad things into the rundown. And then you get from that to um Friday Night Lights. I mean, these are completely different films. And then The Kingdom. And, and and I like the fact that he stretches himself. But this one, it just seemed that the story really just, I don't know, um, both my wife and I sort of sat there thinking, is this really going to get going? Because some of the funny moments really weren't that funny. And I guess I expected, you know, I mean, yeah, I know. I know. It's a summer blockbuster. I know. But usually, at least, uh, if you don't get a bit of story, you get a bit of fun. And and this movie was seriously lacking fun. You know, the the actors did their, did their thing, you know, Charlize Theron, Will Smith, and, and definitely Jason Bateman. They all really brought it. I just didn't find that the, that the story was there to hold it together. And and when they, and as things started moving forward in the story, it was, it, it just... The suspension of disbelief that they had uh, imbued you with uh, from the beginning um, was not strong enough to uh, to carry you through some of the story developments, and, and I'll kind of leave it at that. And I think part of it is also you need a, a villain that's really, uh, really, you know, gonna get, gonna give the uh, hero a run for his money, and you just don't get that here. So, so all in all, I, I was pretty disappointed with Hancock. If it hadn't been for the fact that we went to see it on passes, I would have been really pissed off. But that's okay, because I'm looking forward to what's coming out this week. First up is Hellboy. Uh, Hellboy 2, The Golden Army. Really looking forward to this one. Um, you know, they had a hell of a time getting this one made. And honestly, if it hadn't been for the fact that Pan's Labyrinth did so well and, and that Del Toro said, hey, the next movie I want to make is a sequel to Hellboy, um, it probably wouldn't have happened. The last movie made, you know, was made for $60 million and earned $60 million. So, you know, it was kind of a break even. So not the kind of thing that you necessarily base uh, a franchise on. But basically, if you wanted to do business with Guillermo del Toro, you're going to let him make the Hellboy 2 uh, movie. And uh, and he did. And I got to say, seeing the trailer for this movie uh, drove me to see the first one because originally I thought this, this is nothing I'm interested in. And um, so I went, I went and saw that and I actually read some some Hellboy. I picked up the library edition, which collect, collects the first three volumes. And wow, loving it. Absolutely loving it. So looking forward to this one. Uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth. Uh, Brendan Fraser uh, starring in this one. This is sort of the first big 3D movie coming out. And this is going to be a big deal. Um, they're spending a lot of money on, on 3D. Why? 
trying to enhance the in-theater experience. You know, this has been an issue for, for years in, in, you know, falling uh, box office receipts. So this is going to be the one that hopefully uh, brings it back for them. And, uh, you know, expect this one to make, you know, see how, how this one does, but expect it to be kind of like when Zemeckis bought the motion capture technology. It's going to take a little while for us to really get used to it. Also coming out, Eddie Murphy stars in Meet Dave, uh, directed by Brian Robbins. You remember him, Eric from Head of the Class? Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, so uh, Eddie is playing uh, a spaceship. Yes, that's right. He is a human-shaped uh, spaceship, um, and the captain of the ship jeopardizes his crew and their mission to save their planet when he falls for a beautiful Earthling played by Elizabeth Banks. On the heels of announcement that uh, Will Ferrell and Sasha Baron Cohen have been signed to do a comedy version of Sherlock Holmes, um, it, this is going to be helmed by, I'm not sure if it's going to be directed or just produced by Judd Apatow. Wow. Will Ferrell. Yeah, uh, I think I can give this one a miss. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. has been cast as Sherlock Holmes in a more dramatic take on him as directed by Guy Ritchie. Uh, you know, Downey's really making a good career for himself getting to play some addicts. Hey, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, I also reported a couple of weeks ago about uh, AFTRA taking the deal from the AMPTP. And basically, they, they took this offer and uh, and usually they negotiated in, in tandem with, with SAG. And uh, they broke apart this time. So they took the contract and SAG, SAG was pissed. So they even had SAG members, you know, trying to going out there actively trying to convince those people who had memberships in both unions to vote no to the deal. Basically, no, make them wait for us. And um, after decided not to, more than uh, 62% of the voting members said yes to the pact. Not a, not a staggering vote, but still. Um, anyway, uh, after President Robert, Roberta Reardon said on Tuesday, today's vote reflects the ability of AFTRA to recognize a solid contract when they see it. We were faced with an unprecedented situation of another union mounting a well-funded and ferocious attack on our contract ratification process. In the face of that kind of attack, I think the percentage that ratified this contract is really good, and I'm thrilled. So SAG basically has contended that a separate deal with AFTRA is diluting its clout at the bargaining table. Yeah, no kidding. So what's happened is the AMPTP has said to SAG, hey, August 15th, get us a deal by August 15th and we'll make the proposed wage and salary increases retroactive July to July 1st. SAG is saying that no, our negotiating term plans to... Uh, do so and plans to deliver their terms in person rather than in the press. And uh, it is basically the same deal that was made uh, for AFTRA. Um, and what they're saying is, well, you know, with about a 38% voting against the AFTRA deal, it, it seems doubtful that the majority of SAG's rank and file will embrace identical terms. So it should be interesting. As, as, as it happens, you know, the delay had, the deadline had passed and they didn't go on strike. So at least we have that. So uh, more to come as it comes available. Comments is always welcome at poptopiapodcast at gmail.com. Check out the forum at forum.poptopiapodcast.com and have a great week.